Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. Okay, chapter 7, and here's what he says. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being translated king of righteousness and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace. Now, just those two verses, I mean, if you don't know the passage he's talking about, then you may not understand. But, oh, I'm just going to turn over and read it. In Genesis, the 14th chapter, let's just go over there because it's only three verses. And so let's just read them and then we'll have a context for what we're talking about in the book of Hebrews. By the way, let me just reiterate the book of Hebrews written primarily to Jewish believers who were practicing the law. And the writer is telling them how in Jesus now the law is fulfilled in Christ. And so we need to now practice the new covenant with Jesus as the high priest. Okay, here in Genesis chapter 14, let's come down to verse 18, Genesis 14, 18. And I won't take the time for the context. The context is very helpful and very important. But here's what it says. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, later to become Jerusalem, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Interesting. Well, that's not only what Jesus brought out on Uh, the night before he died, the Last Supper. But bread and wine is also the covenant meal. It says he brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High. And he, Melchizedek, blessed him, Abraham, and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he, Abraham, gave him, Melchizedek, a tithe of all. And those are the only three verses that actually cite the scenario where Melchizedek shows up to Abraham as Melchizedek, and every other place in the Bible only refers to those three verses, including chapter 7. So let's go back over to chapter 7. So verse 1, this Melchizedek, for this Melchizedek, king of Salem, later to be Jerusalem, and so you can already see the correlation to him and Jesus. It says, for this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings, and blessed him, he blessed Abraham, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. So Abraham gave a tithe to Melchizedek. Now this is interesting, isn't it? Abraham gave a tithe long before tithing showed up in the Levitical law under Moses. Abraham, see Abraham lived about 500 years before Moses and the law. About 500 years before Abraham Abraham gives a tithe to Melchizedek. And so it says, first being translated, king of righteousness, talking about Melchizedek's title, king of righteousness, then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace. 
Verse 3, without father, without mother, talking about Melchizedek, without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. Isn't this interesting? So Melchizedek just sort of shows up. He blesses Abraham. Abraham ties to him. He's got bread and wine in his hand. And then you don't see him anymore. He's gone. But but it's saying here that there's a correlation between Jesus, our high priest, and Melchizedek. And it's going to correlate. It's going to say that Jesus as high priest is not a Levitical priest. He wasn't even from the tribe of Levi. But he's a priest according to the order of Melchizedek, which it's already said several times, and it's going to say it several more now. So it says he's made like the Son of God. He remains a priest continually. His priesthood, unlike the Levitical priesthood, uh, priestly uh, seasons, they end. Well, Melchizedek, his priestly season never ended. Of course, that's a type of Jesus whose priestly season will also never end. Verse 4, now consider how great this man was. Now consider how great this man was to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. Now what does that mean, even the patriarch Abraham? Well, you remember when Abraham was here on earth, God made a covenant with him. He is the only human being on the planet that has a covenant, a blood covenant with creator God. Creator God swore in blood to you, one man, I will keep my promises to you. I will bring these things to pass. I have limited myself and confined myself to do what I said to you. I have covenanted in blood to do it. He's the only person on earth. Therefore, this one man, Abraham, has more leverage. This man has, I mean, authority on the earth because he's in covenant with God. When you're in covenant with somebody, you're backed by them. You're protected by them. And so there's nobody on the earth like Abraham. But yet, the writer says here, consider how great this man was, Melchizedek, to whom even the patriarch Abraham, the only human being on earth who's in covenant with God, tithes to him. Well, so he's he's building up Melchizedek here, uh, not so much in reality because Melchizedek is already at that level, but he's helping us to understand how great this man is. Notice again, now consider verse 4, how great this man was to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth to the spoils. He's saying he was greater than Abraham. And Abraham's the only man on earth that has a covenant with God. And even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. Verse 5, and indeed, and indeed, those who are sons of Levi, who received the priesthood, have a commandment to receive tithes from the people according to the law, that is, from their brethren, though they have come from the loins of Abraham. So notice, in the Levitical priesthood, 500 years after Abraham, God gave commandment for the Levitical priests to receive tithes from all the other tribes. See, so that's something that God put into place later, after Abraham uh, Abraham shared, we call him Abraham. His name was Abram until God changed his name to Abraham. But even the New Testament just generally calls him Abraham. And so uh, even Abraham, though, tied to Melchizedek 500 years before there was a law that said you had to do it. Consider how great this man was, Melchizedek. Okay, so watch this. 
it says that the Levites had come from the loins of Abraham, but that means that the Levitical priesthood that receives tithes, they were in Abraham's loins, of course, 500 years before, and Abraham tied the Melchizedek. What does that mean? That Melchizedek is much higher than the Levitical priesthood that was receiving tithes. Can you see this? Okay, so Melchizedek is way up here. And so it goes on to say, verse 6, But he whose genealogy is not derived from them receives tithes from Abraham, talking about Melchizedek, and blessed him who had the promises. See, Abraham's the one who had the promises. He's the one that's in covenant with God. And yet he's the one blessing and tithing to Melchizedek. That what, what is he? Let me tell you where he's headed. We're here on earth and we have promises and we're in covenant with God, but there's somebody we need to tithe to. Well, that's what he's getting to. Wait for it. Wait for it. Here it comes. Verse 7. Now beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. It was Melchizedek blessing Abraham. And so the lesser is blessed by the better. Abraham, yes, he tithed to Melchizedek, but it was Melchizedek that was blessing Abraham. Blessed be Abraham of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. See, so it was the lesser that was blessed by the better. Yes, he tied to him, but Abraham was the one receiving the blessing. Why? Because Abraham, would, excuse me, Melchizedek was at a higher level than Abraham. Okay, now look at this, verse 8. Oh, here it is. Here mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them, of whom it is witnessed that he lives. Here, talking about here on earth, mortal men receive tithes. And of course, the law was going on in Jerusalem. The, the Levitical priesthood was there. The tribes would bring in the tithe to the Levitical priesthood. And it says here, mortal men receive tithes. Well, today, ushers in churches and pastoral leaders and such receive tithes, distributed to the needs of the ministry and such. Yeah, mortal men. It says here, mortal men receives tithes, but there he receives them of whom it is witnessed that he lives. Now, hold on just a minute. Who are we talking about? Well, somebody said, well, it's talking about Melchizedek. And it is referring to Melchizedek here about him receiving tithes from Abraham. But notice three times already, and he's going to say it again, Jesus, the point of the whole passage is that Jesus is a priest according to the order of Melchizedek. The only, 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 only reason that the writer of Hebrews is talking about Melchizedek is to show us how we in the new covenant need to relate to our high priest, Jesus, because he's a priest not after the Levitical priesthood, but he's a priest after the order of Melchizedek. And so the reason he's bringing up Melchizedek and describing what Abraham did is so that we will follow suit and do the same. Notice verse 8, here mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them of whom it is witnessed that he lives. Of whom it is witnessed that he lives. Somebody might say Melchizedek. Okay, well, I guess you could make a case for that. But in the Bible, and particularly the New Testament, there is no one in the Word of God that has more testimony to his resurrection than the Lord Jesus Christ, that he lives forever, that he lives, he lives, he lives, he lives. And this is clearly talking about the Lord Jesus Christ as well. Somebody, somebody might say, no, it's talking about Melchizedek. Listen, it doesn't matter. And here's why it doesn't matter. Because the point of the passage is 
that the writer is saying Jesus is a priest like Melchizedek. Therefore, everything that the writer of Hebrews is telling us about Melchizedek, he's telling us for one purpose, because Jesus is like that. (laughs) Isn't that wonderful? So there's no argument about it. Whether he was specifically referring in verse 8 to Melchizedek or to Jesus, it ends up meaning the identical thing because of the point of the whole passage. That's context. See, that's why you have to have context in understanding and interpreting Scripture properly. So what's the point of this? The point is, here on earth, when you come to bring your tithe and offering, you could be doing it electronically to your church. You could be doing it through ushers and such. He says, look, here on earth, mortal men receive tithes. But there, just as Melchizedek received from Abraham without the law, there he receives them of whom it is witnessed that he lives. Folks, our high priest Jesus is the one who receives our tithes. Even if we bring it to mortal men here on earth, up in heaven, Jesus, our high priest, sees us bringing them and he receives those tithes and turns around and offers, just like we read in the earlier chapter, he offers those before Father God. He receives them. Here mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them, of whom it is witness that he lives. So let me just say this. This is so important. Don't miss this. When you bring your tithe, your first 10% of your income that you get in, whether it's just normal income, whether it's uh, selling a house or making a profit off of a business deal or whatever, and you tithe on that profit. Look, whatever the tithe is, don't just bring it to your church. Yes, do bring it to your church. But don't just bring it to your church. Bring it to the right high priest. His name is Jesus Christ. Bring it to him and say, Lord, you're the one who saved me. You're the one who delivered me. You're the one who gave everything for me. And now I'm just bringing this first 10% of the income that you've given me. And you present it to Jesus. And he in heaven receives that and offers it as the high priest before Father God, no wonder the windows of heaven open above us because we're not doing it complaining. We're not doing it with criticism. What are they going to do with it anyway? And why do I have to give a full 10%? Or we're not cheating God because we know, oh, God knows how to count. We're bringing it to Jesus. We're doing it the right way, the right amount, with the right heart. No wonder the windows of heaven open because we're bringing it to our high priest. Folks, this priesthood is still in effect. This tithe is still in effect. In fact, the the point here is it didn't start in the Levitical priesthood. Therefore, it cannot end with the Levitical priesthood. It started way back with Abraham and Melchizedek. And now the author of Hebrews is telling us, oh, this Melchizedek priesthood is very much alive and in effect. In fact, Jesus is our high priest. And just as Abraham tithed to Melchizedek, so we bring our tithe to the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that good? Okay, now look at this. It says, uh, here on earth, verse 8, mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them, of whom it is witness that he lives. Verse 9, even Levi, who received tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, so to speak, for he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. And I've already explained that. Look at verse 11. Therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise according to the order of Melchizedek? So he's saying, if the best was to tithe under the Levitical priesthood, then why would you need another priest to arise according to the order of Melchizedek? We wouldn't. 
but perfection didn't come from the Levitical priesthood. That was just something temporary until Jesus came. It says, and uh, if perfection was through the Levitical priesthood, for under, under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be called according to the order of Aaron. For the priesthood being changed of necessity, there is also a change of the law. For he of whom these things are spoken belongs to another tribe from which from which no man has officiated the altar. In other words, Jesus was not born of the tribe of Levi. He was born of the tribe of Judah. So he is not a Levitical priest. So by tithing to Jesus, you're not under the law. No, by tithing to Jesus, you're under the priesthood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 14, For it is evident that our Lord arose from Judah, of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning priesthood. And it is yet far more evident if, in the likeness of Melchizedek, there arises another priest who has come not according to the law of a fleshly commandment, but according to the power of an endless life. See, this just removes the excuse that says, well, tithing was under the law. We're not under the law anymore, so we don't have to tithe. Uh, this just removes that and says, yeah, and Jesus was not from the tribe of Levi. So uh, us tithing to Jesus has nothing to do with the ending of the, the law. Verse 17, for he testifies, you are a priest forever. How long? <laughs> forever, 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 forever. You are a priest forever. How long should we be treating Jesus like Abraham treated Melchizedek? As long as he's in uh, a priest, we should do this forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Verse 18, for on the one hand, there is an annulling of the former commandment because of its weakness, talking about the Levitical law uh, and unprofitableness. For the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. We're not, we're not under the law but we are under the new, the ministry and priesthood of the Lord Jesus. Verse 20, And inasmuch as he was not made priest without an oath, for they have become priests without an oath. Excuse me, let me read that again. Verse 20, And inasmuch as he was not made priest without an oath, for they have become priests without an oath, but he with an oath by him who said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. So, so God the Father swore to Jesus, you're a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek, not the Levitical law. Verse 22, by so much more, Jesus has become surety of a better covenant. That's the new covenant. Also, there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. Well, they aged out and died. Verse 24, but he, because he continues forever. See, he lives, verse 8, right? Because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them, since he always lives. Well, it says in verse 8, we should tie to him of whom it is witnessed that he lives. Well, here's a reference right here, that he always lives to make intercession for them. Verse 26, for such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, 
harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints as high priest men who have weakness, but the word of the oath, which came after the law, appoints the son who has been perfected forever. So the writer saying back in the Levitical priesthood, because these were sinful priests, they were human beings uh, that were not the son of God that was sinless, they would first have to offer a sacrifice for their own sin, and then they would be able to offer a sacrifice for the sins of the people. But Jesus didn't have to offer a sacrifice for his own sins because he didn't have sin. He wasn't born with sin and he didn't sin. So when he went to the cross, he was completely blameless and innocent. Thereby, he was a qualified uh, replacement for us. And so he was the sacrifice completely 100% for our sins, but not under the law. No, but under the priesthood of Melchizedek, he made this covenant. He became this priest, this mediator between God and man. Oh, let me tell you, just those revelations, and some of you kind of blowing your mind right now, but you have to understand a little bit about covenant, and you have to understand a little bit about Jesus being according to the order of Melchizedek. But let me tell you, here's the point. Relate to Jesus. He's your high priest. Tithe to Jesus. Now, yes, you'll bring it to your local church. As the Word of God says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this. But see, when you're bringing it, you're really bringing it before the Lord. And you're saying, Lord, I'm bringing this here to the local church, but I'm honoring you today with this tithe. And let me tell you, God will bless you. God will bless you. Do it willingly. God loves a cheerful giver. And let the priest bless you, just as Melchizedek blessed Abraham. Let Jesus bless you. And offer him that tithe willingly, knowing, Lord, I can never run out because you are my blesser. You are the my provider. You're the one who takes care of me. So, Lord, I'm, I happily give this to you. Makes all the difference in the world when you bring it to Jesus. That means you don't complain about it. That means you don't get disgruntled. Well, I need it more. What is the church going to do with it? All that stuff. Oh, good Lord. You know, we have such little faith in God replacing it. God can do more with, with a penny than we could ever do with 100% of our income. And let me just mention one other thing. Many people have more confidence in what 10% of their income can do for them than what Almighty God can do for them. Give that 10% to the Lord Jesus Christ and trust Him that He'll bless the 90% and open the windows of heaven above you and take care of you in a big way. And then, oh, I tell you, life gets exciting because now we're treating Jesus as if he's real. We're treating this covenant as if it's true, and it is. And then you begin to experience the power of God. Well, boy, I can get carried away in this chapter, but it's a good one. we got another good one tomorrow. Hebrews chapter 8. I'll see you then. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, 
how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.